It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I'm amped up to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Anita Campbell. Anita is the founder, CEO, and publisher of Small Business Trends, which is an award-winning online publication for small business owners, entrepreneurs, and the people who interact with them. And if you're not following Small Business Trends subscriber, really should go do that. And I want to address two topics today in our conversation. The first is I want to talk about the unique set of challenges that small businesses are facing in today's business environment, today's economy in terms of growing their business and how they're responding to these challenges. And the second is challenges today that sellers have in selling to small business and sort of the unique ways that you need to approach that in order to have greater success. So Anita Campbell, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Andy. Great to be here. And uh, you're joining, as you said, from sunny Florida this morning. That's right. It's a great day here. Um, it's wonderful to be here and not in a place that has snow or great gray skies. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm recording this from my San Diego studio today, but uh, I'm heading back to New York, and I understand that uh, there's going to be snow this weekend. It greet me when I show up, so a little uh, late March snow just to remind us that maybe winter is not completely dead. So um, give me a few minutes or tell the audience, take a few minutes, tell the audience a little bit about yourself and how you ended up uh, in sort of a really interesting career before you started Small Business Trends or how that transition happened. I used to be a corporate attorney and uh, now I'm an internet entrepreneur. <laughs> I'm actually a publisher. That's what I consider my industry and, and what we do. Uh, and people are always fascinated, like, how did you move from law to publishing well, you know, I enjoyed what I was doing. I worked inside corporations for most of my career. So I was a uh, an associate general counsel, an assistant general counsel, and then I became a general counsel. And I enjoyed it very much. But at some point, you look for another um, outlet for yourself. I, I always like being creative, and I wanted to grow something bigger than myself. And that's why I love entrepreneurship and small business, because as the owner of a business, you're really growing something that's beyond you yourself. And so now I run a business that is a virtual business in the sense that everyone works from their homes and their home offices, we don't actually have like one central place of business. Uh, and it has some challenges to work that way. Uh, but we love it. And uh, it is a real business. People tend to think, well, you know, it's just a website or something. But it's not. It's, it's like a magazine. In fact, we have a digital magazine now in addition to the website. Yeah, I mean, if anybody's gone to the website and see the volume of, of, of advertisers that you have on it, you understand this is a real business. It definitely is. And, you know, just like a magazine or any other kind of publication, our customers are actual sponsors or advertisers, like you point out. And, of course, our readers are the small businesses. The sponsors and advertisers are companies that want to reach out to the small business market. But everything we write is targeted toward a small business reader, a startup entrepreneur, and we try to give information that's valuable 
tips and advice, news about new products or acquisitions or whatever is happening in the world that affects small businesses. So in terms of defining your definition of small business, how do you define that in terms of sort of your ideal client for reading small business trends? We define it as any business that has under 100 employees. We figure if you are over 100 employees, it's a very different business at that point. It really starts to look more like a a larger mid-sized business, uh, and, and your challenges are different when you're larger than that. Now, the SBA defines a small business as having fewer than 500 employees, but again, we we think that difference between 100 employees and 500 is pretty substantial. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. Yeah, been, having been in companies that have you know, grown through those thresholds from 25 employees to 50 to 100 to 500, so yeah, it's, it's a completely different business at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you really are operating in many cases once you get above two, three hundred employees, like a larger, much larger enterprise. Exactly. And uh, so, you know, we we target that smaller business. Uh, We target the Main Street small business, as we call it, the kind of business that really drives America. And these are not always the most sexy and exciting sounding businesses. They're not the next Facebook uh, you're not going to have Mark Zuckerberg for the most part, you know, a billionaire, you know, inside of a decade kind of thing. Uh, but these are the businesses that most of America depends on. We depend on them for their services, for, um, you know, the products that we buy. They're in our local communities. Yeah, and I think that they oftentimes get ignored. Now, that's one of the things I want to talk about a little bit later in the show. It seems like they oftentimes get ignored uh, like I go to a went to a, a software conference a, a month or so ago, and it was all these young startup companies. And as I sort of walked around selling sort of interesting technology, but as I walked around the show, I was like, "Hmm, they're all selling to each other." <laughs> but I said, "You know, okay, great. A lot of your clients right now are other small tech companies, but do you have any manufacturers? I mean, do you have any other you know non tech or non tech enabled small businesses that you sell to?" And the answer was always sort of like, no, no. <laughs> it's like, that's a huge market out there. It is. It is. And, uh, you know, we recently did an article on, uh, I think it was like 50 low-tech businesses you could start. It's been phenomenally popular because why? Because when most people are thinking about starting a business, they're not thinking about starting a technology business, unless you happen to be sort of a techie person. Uh, You know, there's a huge demand out there to start businesses that have nothing to do with the technology, even though they may use technology. Um, They're really about serving people. You know, most businesses in America are service businesses. And that doesn't mean that they're, you know, they're restaurants necessarily, but they are providing some kind of service to uh, consumers or sometimes businesses. And that's really what drives America today. And of course, there are a lot of small manufacturers, as you point out, Uh, small retail. I mean, it's really the gamut of things. We like to say, hey, you know, we serve the dry cleaners of America. You know, the the uh, contracting businesses, the plumbers, the electricians, that's who we consider our core market. Okay. So jumping into the topic I opened the show with is, so for those types of companies, and certainly we have you know, entrepreneurs and business owners that fit in those categories that are listening to the shows, 
is what are the biggest challenges they have that you see from your perspective to growing their businesses these days? Where, where are they getting stuck? Well, there are a number of places they get stuck, and one of them has to do with technology. And I'll tell you, in this sense, uh, you know, I think it's a real myth to say small business owners are resistant to technology. I don't think that's true at all. I think, though, that the tech landscape is so confusing and it's so hard to figure it out and to sort out what's available out there and how to deploy it in your business. So I think there's a real challenge with technology. The desire is there, the ability to cut through the jargon and figure out what's best for your business, I think is a major challenge for businesses. I don't know if you see that, Andy, but I see that all over. Well, I do. And I'm glad you brought that up because that was definitely on my list of questions to ask you is about you know, the embrace of technology because I always like to give an example. I, I don't know, about a little over a year ago, I was doing a workshop for a client and they had about, oh, well, they actually probably didn't fit quite the small business, the class year definition of small business, but they, they were a small business. They had, about 80 inside salespeople or 80 people involved with their inside sales team. And, uh, but that was probably the largest single group of employees. But when I was going through the pre my workshop presentation, I get to the point, I always include something about new sales technologies and new tools to be able to help them. You know, they hadn't heard of any of them. And so, mm-hmm. and what's sort of interesting is, is, uh, you know, then they all start looking at like oh, their CFO who's in the room and you can tell he's sort of mortified by the fact I opened this Pandora's box about the, because you see the dollar signs. Um, but I'm sort of struck by the fact, and this has been repeated many times with, with small companies I work with is, is even the step before embracing the technologies just seem to be unaware of the technologies that are available. Yeah, it's very hard to find, um, you know, what is available. And you mentioned uh, sales, you know, sales technology, this is a a hugely growing area. You know, Salesforce, um, everybody's familiar with the Salesforce um, software, I'm sure. They were a real pioneer in their area. Uh, But now, today, there are all kinds of selling-type tools out there. And then add into it the customer relationship management or CRM-type tools. And they're, they're just all over the place. And they all take a little bit different approach. They're all, um, one, you know, might be good at a certain type of thing or for a certain type of industry versus another. It's baffling to most business owners. Add to that the fact that when you're in a small business, often the owner is still very much selling. You know, until a business reaches a certain size, when you first start out, the entrepreneur is the chief salesperson. As they should be. and and they're selling, and they could be selling for a long, long time until that business gets to be quite sizable. Uh, and And so on top of everything else, here you are, you're trying to grow a business, you're trying to make payroll, you're trying to do all these things, and you have to be selling, oh, and you're supposed to figure out what technology is out there that could actually help you and the rest of your team do a better job. It's a pretty challenging environment when you think of it that way. So, and that's a brings sort of an interesting question to mind. That have you seen sort of a growth in the number of, well, say, you know, technology consultants that are, you know, not necessarily experts in one field or another. Let's say, like sales, but 
you know, merging to be able to help entrepreneurs, small business owners sort of sort through this confusing landscape? You know, I think the challenge for consultants often is that small businesses may not be able to afford a lot of their services. One thing we have seen, Andy, is a lot of like apps marketplaces, you know, or mm-hmm. places online that are attempting to use technology to help you sort through things. I think one of the challenges is, and this is something that actually salespeople can take into account. If you are selling a tech product, here's here's a tip for you. And that is really try awfully hard to explain exactly what your product does and how it's different from other products out there without using jargon. Because that's one of the things that's very different when you're selling to a small business versus a large business. Um, And, uh, you know, I might be getting deeper into this topic than you want me to get into. No, 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 this is good stuff. Okay. Um, You know, in a large company, if you're selling a tech product, you're probably dealing with someone who's a very technical person. The decision maker is someone who understands this area and probably knows what you're talking about if you're using technology language. In a small company, you're talking with someone who may, you know, wear five hats or you're talking with the owner and it's very unlikely that that person you're talking with in the small company understands the language that you're talking. And that often right there is a big, big barrier. Uh, so in it, you don't want to talk down to the business owner or the decision maker uh, in, you know, because the decision maker may actually be the spouse of the business owner or somebody like that. Well, and, and you shouldn't make the assumption that they're unsophisticated just because they're in a small business. I mean, they could have been like yourself, come out of <laughs> a very large, responsible job out of a huge organization to start a small company. You know, you wouldn't have been unsophisticated. You may not be familiar with the technology, but you're capable of sophisticated reasoning. Exactly. Yeah, perfectly put what you just said there. And and so that's key. So how do you communicate without assuming that the person is, you know, not intelligent or doesn't, you know, understand different things, but yet communicate in a way where you're actually explaining what your product does. The biggest challenge that I think small businesses sometimes have is what does this product do? And we run into it in our business where we're, we're trying to write about these new products. We get press releases all the time. And I swear to you, you could take one press release and change the name of the company and it could sound like 10 other companies because it's, you know, everybody wants to tell you how they're, you know, their product will make you more efficient. It will help you grow. It'll help you sell more. But unless you're very specific about what that does, there's no way to differentiate your product from another product. And I think that's a challenge for uh, salespeople who, you know, or companies that have messages they want to deliver to small businesses about the products that they're selling. Yeah. I mean, the the problem with the messaging extends beyond just selling small businesses, but it it is a challenge for, for companies that are trying to sell. And we'll turn the tables here in a second and talk about, you know, the same challenge that small businesses have in trying to sell their products and services is, they don't really understand how to differentiate themselves from their competitors. I mean, so they see it when they're trying to buy product because yeah, every market space, especially like in the tech space is getting really crowded and they're, you know, it doesn't hardly takes any resources at all to copy one good idea and make it your own good idea. So as soon as somebody enters a new market segment, you're going to see 10 competitors and within three to six months. So yeah, how do you, how do you differentiate between those if you're on the buying end? And then then you turn it to yourself, you say, okay, if you're, 
prototypical small business, maybe you're uh, you know, manufacturer, job shop, you got a specific thing. Yeah, there could be five, six others in your town. How do you differentiate yourself from them? Yeah, and that's, that's a real challenge. You know, one of the things that I recommend to small businesses to differentiate yourself is be very, very, very specific when you define what you help that customer do. And even phrase it that way. We help customers do the following you know, and finish the sentence and be very specific about the act or the problem that you are solving. Um, you're helping that customer solve or the benefit that you're, that you're delivering, but don't use generic general things. Like we help you be more efficient. We help you save money and, and uh, you know, other things because everybody says, <laughs> it's like right. my grandmother wants to help you save money. You know, <laughs> that's great. But <laughs> I'll hire Um <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think, and I think right. So as you said, you know, you be very specific. The lesson is, and it's true for sales across the board, especially as said to small businesses, is you have to phrase in terms of what you do, in terms of the outcomes that you provide, and that's really what helps people understand what you do. Is is what are the outcomes that they're going to experience? And saving money is not a meaningful outcome, right? Because people aren't really very, very rarely are they buying a product uh, it could be a huge investment for them just on the off chance they might make save a little money it's you know what are they going to make you know what are the positive outcomes what how's it going to help them achieve their business goals yeah what's my problem that you know i have that really causes me a lot of pain that you can help me solve and in a way even you know some of the things like you know we'll help you business we'll help you save money it's kind of like we expect that is it's sort of like the threshold okay great but what are you really going to do for me tell me what that is exactly yeah what is that outcome so we've talked about some of the, the sales challenges so what are you seeing in terms of to me one of the big issues i see because a lot of my clients that i've worked with over the years have been small businesses is what's new in terms of hiring and retaining employees uh especially now that we've got sort of this emerging gig economy that, that uh, you know, people tend to be sort of project-oriented or employers tend to be wanting to hire people on a project basis. You know, what are you seeing as a trend that way in the small business arena? I, I think the uh, ability to get qualified people for what you can pay in a small business uh, continues to be a challenge. And that's one of the reasons that people in small businesses turn to freelancers because you can sort, it's like turning on a faucet and turning it off. You can turn the faucet on just enough for what you need in order to get things done. Of course, the downside with that is that you're not, you know, you can end up spending a lot of time training people over and over again, sort of to the way you want things done. And it's hard to move forward unless you have people who are with you and develop that knowledge and, you know, continue to grow that knowledge. So if you go through one freelancer after another, at some point, you're just sort of treading water. You're not, you're not ever going to be able to grow that way. And I think that's a real challenge. So the freelance economy, it's great on the one hand, but on the other hand, after a while, it really doesn't help you grow your business. So you have to commit to hiring somebody. But as you said, it's always sort of a, a trade-off because I've seen this many times, especially working in sort of the sales space, is that entrepreneurs sort of lock themselves into hiring, you know, less qualified individuals because of they can't pay competitive rates for what they're in. Yeah, their business. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and another thing, uh, I think there's a real opportunity for qualified sales professionals 
who can sell uh, at a distance, you know, in other words, if you can sell uh, over the phone, if you can sell via email and, you know, video conferences and, and so on without requiring uh, personal visits, if you're in that kind of a business, mm-hmm. there's a real need out there for the small businesses who need that kind of sales help. It's very hard to find that. You know, uh, if you are someone who could, um, you know, work for someone and do it uh, virtually a long distance and do it effectively doesn't work for every business. You know, I think there's a real need for that because I think it's very hard sometimes for small businesses to find um, very good salespeople. You know, if you're a small local business and you're strictly local, that's one thing you're going to look in your local market. Uh, But, you know, for other businesses, especially like tech businesses, for example, example, uh, or any kind of knowledge business, you know, a lot of times that sale really needs to be at a much higher level than the small business can afford. You can't hire somebody who's used to selling, you know, things in a retail store and uh, expect them to hit the ground running for that type of a business. So I think that's a challenge there. I don't know if there's a solution there. Maybe you have some thoughts on it, Andy, but I'm just throwing out the challenge. Well, there are, yeah, it is. It's a great challenge and a significant one. So I, I think you, you're hitting on the right approach is that there are increasingly companies out there that are providing outsourced sales. You know, they can not just, certainly there's a lot of companies do outsourced lead generation, but actually now an emerging class of companies that are actually sort of taking it further through the funnel. So for small businesses, you said it maybe can't, uh, can't afford to bring somebody on salary, but would be willing to pay on performance or maybe do a small, upfront fee and then largely pay on performance, uh, those companies are starting to show up in, in greater numbers. And uh, like everything, what you want to do is not jump in whole hog when if you're a small business, but you want to test them out, right? Give them a small assignment, see if they can execute on it for you. And if you have a fit both culturally and from a performance standpoint, uh, you know, ethical standpoint, then expand it a little bit. But they are out there. And if you're a small business owner, you can find these uh, outsourced sales. And if, you know, people hear the show, want to email me, you know, I can give them some ideas of where to look. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I think that'd be, you know, awesome because I, I do know there's a need out there and people tell me all the time, hey, we need somebody like this, but, you know, it's just hard to find. Well, and, but you, you raised a key point, which is that more and more of the sales can take place virtually. And whether it's over the phone, whether it's using uh, Skype, as we're using here to talk, or Skype video, um, you know, any one of the assortment of face-to-face video tools that you can use that are out there, it's making that whole remote selling much more uh, feasible. And not just for, uh, you know, sort of, I don't call them day-to-day products, but day-to-day products, but also, as you said, for knowledge-based products that might be a little more complex and might require touching larger parts of an organization. Exactly. And also, also if you're a small business and you're selling, you know, something to a larger enterprise, which certainly some lots of small businesses, you know, want to land big, big accounts. Is that is that is an approach to use? Yeah, you need the more sophisticated sales help, and often that's hard to find in a local uh, environment. If you're used to hiring local people from, say, within a 50 mile radius, uh, you, that may be difficult, especially if you're in a small town or semi rural area. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was like just on a call with some uh, clients earlier this week, and yeah, even on the client side, they were a smaller enterprise. But yeah, I was talking to the, three people on their end and they were all in different parts of the country. So there you go. Didn't really matter where anybody was at that point. Um, 
So what about in terms of the other big thing I see is that sort of underinvestment in marketing on the part of small businesses. And I know, again, this is money. It comes right out of the owner's pocket. But, um, you know, especially these days with all the tools that are available to help facilitate the market, whether from email marketing or, or uh, you know, pay-per-click advertising or whatever, doesn't seem like it's being as embraced quite as, as willing as they should, especially because, you know, you got to generate your lead somewhere. Yeah, and it's. I think the challenge there is it's become a very complex landscape for marketing. And with marketing today, you really need to understand the tools. Uh, sometimes the tools can be very um, complex. Like we use a particular tool. It's very hard to find people who we can hire who actually know how to use this tool. And uh, it's, you know, it's, it's one where you have to send people for training. Well, who sends people for training these days? That used to be very common, but these days you're used to going online using a tool and it sort of leads you through it. And it's, you know, usually very easy to pick up. But if you're trying to use a more sophisticated tool, like an marketing automation tool, for example, it can be so uh, complex for someone who doesn't know how to use it and doesn't have a marketing background that it becomes a barrier in and of itself to getting anything done. So I think if you put yourself in the shoes of a small business and you're looking at all these marketing tools and all these social media platforms out there, and how are you supposed to figure this stuff out and and actually find people who can use these tools? I mean, it's not even just you. It's, you know, how do you find a marketing person that knows enough? You know, if you can only afford one marketing person in your organization, can you afford someone who's going to know enough about email marketing and social media, marketing automation, CRM, and all of these things? In a large company, there may be one person who is the email marketing specialist, but you can't afford that in a small business. And I think that's become you know, just a real challenge there. How do you wade through all of these tools? I think the tools have to get easier. And I think companies have to get, uh, I think, much better at explaining what these tools do as well in, in order to show that there's the benefit there, why we should do this. But it's, um, yeah, there's a challenge there. But again, I go back to, Andy, that I don't think it's about resistance. I don't think it's, you know, about not wanting to try new things. I think it's just total like paralysis through confusion right. is what it is. Yeah, I think that, that yeah, so take the marketing example, is that sometimes there's just a thought that if we do these things sort of, right, we'll do a little bit of blogging, we'll do a little bit, of, is that it's not part of a, a plan. So for me, when I work in small businesses, and this is not my primary area of expertise, but my recommendation is always, well, yeah, if we're going to start looking at outsourcing a resource that can help us is let's let's start with what our goals and our objectives are, what we hope to achieve, maybe have to put in place a plan for us to say this is how we should be using these tools. Even if we only use one initially and then we grow to the point we can adopt another one. But to me that's much more effective than just sort of willy-nilly going out and thinking, okay, if I have a Twitter account, I have a Facebook account for my company or a Facebook page for my company, that's enough. And we'll just post random stuff. Yeah. And, you know, and the other thing I'd like to add is that, you know, in a small business, you often don't know what you should be doing with the tool. So I think uh, companies would be 
well advised to actually like create templates for campaigns, for example. Like you talk about a plan and the goal. I think a lot of small businesses don't know like what should my goal be, you know, if I use this. I I mean I think I should be doing something with email marketing. I'm not sure what I should be doing really. Well, and for my type of business, how do I get started in it? Right. Well I think that's again, if you're gonna hire a consultant, that let's maybe invest a little on that front end just to make sure you're you're doing things rationally. Again, you made one of the rational decisions maybe we'd not could do all of it, but we'll start with something that we think could have the biggest impact based on where we want to be as a business. Exactly. Well, good. Well, we're going to shift to the last segment of our show. Um, I've got some standard questions to ask all my guests. And the first one is actually sort of a hypothetical scenario that you're the star of, which is that if you can imagine for a second that you've just been hired as the sales leader at a company whose sales have stalled. And this could be a small business, uh, fewer than 100 employees. So you've been brought in, the, the owner of the company is really anxious for things to get turned around in a hurry. So your first week on the job, what two things would you do that could have the biggest impact? Well, uh, first thing is I would try to understand um, exactly what the sales uh, cycle is, the length of the cycle. And I would also try to understand uh, and change things so that there's something that could be sold uh, faster, if possible, mm -hmm. if it's a long sales cycle. Uh, I know that uh, some businesses have these long sales cycle, and that kills you, especially in a small business, uh, because you need the you know you need the cash coming in, and you really can't afford that that long a sales cycle. So you really got to have that coming in quickly. I probably, you know, really try to understand where the customers are coming from and, you know, what exactly is the problem with the sales? Is it, um, you know, is it due to, you know, not selling weak anemic, uh, anemic sales activity or do you have customer resistance? Is it competitors or, you know, eating your lunch because your product doesn't stack up? I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know how I'd solve it unless I understood what the problem was to begin with. And so, from, from the perspective of the customers, which is a great perspective to get. Exactly. Because you don't know, you know, what, what the issue is. Maybe, you know, maybe your product is just outdated and you're, you know, you need to step back and be, you know, changing that product or changing your offering in some way. Or, you know, I mean, landscapes change, uh, you know, customer expectations change, or you, you may not be up on it. And I think small businesses tend to have this you know, challenge in particular, because you can't do a lot of market research a lot of times as a small business. You know, you're so busy doing things and, and you can't afford to go out and see, you know, take a landscape view of the whole market. And so, you know, sometimes you tend to operate in a small tunnel, you know, and yeah, you're oh, not yeah. looking bigger and saying, oh, what's going on out there? You know, maybe, maybe the market's leaving us behind here. So I think you really need to understand you know, what, what exactly is the problem from the customer standpoint and, and what are you trying to solve here? Exactly. And to a point you had made is, is what the time allocation is, you know, the great lesson that people talk about is, you know, as entrepreneurs, and I'm one, you're one, is, is uh, you need to set aside time to work on your business, not just in your business. And so that's a challenge. <laughs> that, that is a challenge, right. Okay, so some rapid fire questions. You can give me one word answer so you can elaborate as much as you want. So... When you're out selling, like to sponsors or advertisers, is what's the most powerful sales attribute that you have? 
performance. <laughs> yeah, how you perform. Mm-hmm. So who's your business role model? When you start your company, who's, who's your role model? My role model is, you know, uh, I would say uh, business owners that I've known locally. And, you know, I actually aspire to be someone who creates something beyond myself. So I looked around at business owners that I knew in real life, and I thought they had created something great and they provided employment. And that's who I wanted to be. Not anyone in particular, uh, but, you know, just that, that sort of salt of the earth type of business owner. Okay. So what's one book that every small business owner should read? You should read The Art of the Start by Guy Kawasaki. Okay. Uh, and the reason for that is that it's got great advice about, you know, getting down to brass tacks and actually making money. It's all about actually trying to get funding um, from angels and otherwise, but it's got great practical advice too that really helps you grow a business. So even if you've been in business for a while, it doesn't hurt to go back and, and look at things from the perspective of somebody like Guy Kawasaki, who just you know, he says it like it is, you know, he doesn't mince words. He's not trying to be diplomatic. He tells you exactly what you need to know. So the message comes across loud and clear. All right. Good advice. Good advice. So here's a tough question for you. So what, uh, what music is on your playlist right now? Uh, <laughs> let's get it started. <laughs> so, yeah. I like to, I like to play that sometimes play it in meetings too. You know um, I know it's an oldie, but you know, it's, just something that gets people going, you know, it's yeah. like, we, you know, nothing happens until somebody sells something right or until you make something happen. And in a small business, you have to make things happen. You have to pump yourself up. You have to keep yourself excited and optimistic. Uh, you know, nobody's going to do that for you. So, you know, you have to do it and you have to remind yourself, you know, we got to get it started. Got to get, get started. Something, something. Whether it's the day or a new project or a new product, whatever it is, you got to get it started. All right. So great answer. So the last question for you is what's the one question you get asked most frequently by small business owners? How do I get more sales? How do I get more revenue? And the answer is? And the answer is... You just have to work on it. You know, I, I don't have any easy answer. I don't, I don't think there's a canned answer for that. But, um, you know, I do know that sometimes people give up too soon. They don't try hard enough and you have to stick with it. Uh, you know, you, you really and you have to, you know, even when things look like they're really down. I mean, there have been a hundred times when things look so bad, I thought I could go out of business, you know, but Sure. You just blow through that. You know, you, you don't let yourself think about that. You think about what am I going to do to change that? And voila, you think about it and, you know, you get a new customer or something happens, you know, that it may seem miraculous. It's not. It's because you're really focused on, hey, I'm not going to take no for an answer. I'm not going to accept failure. I'm going to go out and do something. And so just go do something. Well, I think it's a great answer. I mean, it's to that question is because it is about grit. It is about resilience. It is about determination. And whether you're a entrepreneur or a small business owner or, you know, a salesperson, yeah, you, you're confronted with that all the time. You have that choice to either give up or to work harder and make something happen. And the best answer is always to work harder, and make something happen. Exactly. All right. Well, good. Well, I need that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I want to thank you for joining me. My guest today has been Anita Campbell from Small Business Trends. So, Anita, if you could tell folks how they could find out more about, uh, about you and Small Business Trends. 
Yeah, well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Small Biz Trends, Small Biz Trends, all one, and that's the handle. And that's actually our URL, one of our URLs. So come to us at smallbiztrends.com, or you can get to us at smallbiztrends.com, either one. Yeah, and the, the biz is B-I-Z, just so people know when I spell that. So, well, good. Well, again, thank you very much. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And one easy way to do that is to make this podcast accelerate a part of your daily routine, either on your commute, in the gym, or perhaps make it a part of your morning sales huddle. And then you'll make sure you don't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Anita Campbell, who shared her expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining us. And until next time, this is Andy Ball. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.